0: This is the Cannacurio Podcast by Cannabis Media, your source for cannabis and hemp license updates directly from the data vault. Don't forget to subscribe to the Cannabis Media newsletter and follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook to stay informed of future episodes and data releases.
1: Welcome to the Cannacurio Podcast powered by Cannabis Media. We're your hosts, Amanda Guerrero and Ed Keating. On today's show, I'm joined by my lovely co-host and our chief data officer, Ed Keating. Ed and the data team have been hard at work the last few months compiling information for our cannabis software stack report. We're so, I'm so excited to dive in deeper with uh, Ed on this report and to learn more and share all the details of the work that we've done over the last few months. Ed, you want to share some a summary
0: yeah so in terms of the origins of the report i was always intrigued by the software vendors that connected into the state c-to-sale vendors like metric and leaf data systems and over time i realized that uh, those two vendors make the list available of software vendors that have been approved um, so that people in a state can see who they can connect with so I started to gather that data and uh, realized that it was an interesting data set to, uh, to dig into.
1: Yeah, and it's been super helpful for a lot of our subscribers to just give a more intimate look in, in terms of the, the cannabis software groups that and what parts of the industry or the, the license holder cycle that they fit into. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about the origins of the report? Why, why did you write this?
0: Yeah, so it was really digging into that and starting to see who these vendors were. A lot of them were our customers, which was always uh, interesting. And then, as I began to see that, if you compiled the data, you could see which states each vendor was permissioned in, and you know, with, you know how many states they had a footprint in. It started to become evident that we might be able to provide some insight into our customers in terms of what the market opportunity might be. So that's when it really clicked for me when I realized that, hey, there's a way to to essentially share this data in a way that was meaningful and could help some of our customers who are just trying to do their own market building and market penetration, et cetera. So that was really probably the big part of the uh, the reason that I started building the report out and gathering the data.
1: Yeah, how kind of you. We love it. Um, so how long did it take you to compile the data in this report?
0: Yeah, I think I've probably been working on it for sadly close to a year. Um, when oh, I my first, goodness. Yeah, when I first discovered these state level lists of providers, I started trying to pull the data together and then more states would come online and the data changes a lot. I mean, kudos to the state seed to sale vendors for permissioning more and more vendors onto their platforms, but it's, uh, you know, something that we have to keep up with, you know, luckily our team does this every day with licenses around the globe. So we know how to keep track of that information, but it's a pretty dynamic, uh, set of data. There are changes, there's mergers and acquisitions, etc. but, um, it really was sort of a, a, almost a, a year long process since I started it. And, uh, and then starting to compile it against the number of licenses in each state that they could connect to.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the full report itself is 53 pages here, um, and you list a number uh, of sectors within the report. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about what you found within those tech sectors and and, uh, the number of providers per sector?
0: Part of making this understandable was really, to try to figure out a way to tame the data because there was a lot. In the end, we found 320 unique vendors that connected to a system or many systems someplace. Wow. And Yeah, so, so I spent a lot of time trying to figure out, well, how do you group these together? Essentially, what does the market map look like? So yeah. I boiled them down into four main categories that included back office, activity, transactional and advisory. And then there were a bunch that none of us could figure out what exactly these companies did or it appeared they were out of business. So of the 320, there was actually a good number that we did not include in the report because we didn't think that they were terribly relevant and we weren't sure if they were still in business.
1: Yeah, that's, it's important to stay on top of this. And, you know, as we previously discussed, uh, you know, it is quite difficult to obtain all of this information. Um, but, you know, with you guys in identifying these sectors and the actual vendors, um, how, how did you identify the, the leaders within these groups?
0: Well, um, we really tried to look at it two ways. One was using the data from metric and leaf data systems to just compile how many states is each vendor permission to work in? Because that gives you an idea of kind of what their market footprint is. Where are they focusing their efforts? And Mm -hmm. I think in some cases we probably found a few companies that might've been in all 14 or 15 of the states we tracked, others were simply in one. So that was one side of it, but the flip side was how many licenses could they reach in those uh, states. Yeah. And that's really where cannabis media comes in, right? So yeah, you know, we we know that data. And let's say if somebody was a grow software company the only licenses that they'd really be trying to reach are growers or cultivators. So, you know, that helped us narrow that down and it gave us a chance to essentially create leaderboards that said, well, you know, how many can, how many licenses can Amanda's company reach, for example? And, um, you know, we did our best to essentially compute what might be a possible um market share or, or at least a, a market opportunity is a better way to, to describe that.
1: Yeah. I mean, it really is, you know, kind of a, a, from a sales perspective, it's a very competitive analysis of, you know, who are the leaders within, you know, each sector of cannabis uh software stack and from there, you know, being able to give them an idea of where their company could potentially fill in a gap. Um, Now, I'm super excited to dive into that a little bit later on in the show, but I wanted to, you know, kind of check in and see what are some of the common uses of this report?
0: Well, as we were compiling it, I was trying to look at essentially who are all the stakeholders that you know we know of that utilize this kind of information and trying to look broadly, you know, one group I thought was the regulators because it provides sort of the size and scope of the software landscape and probably introduces them to many of the companies they may be working with, especially states that are, let's say, bringing on um, a new seat to sale system or like in Oklahoma, they don't have one yet, but they're demoing them. And so this is a chance to see, you know, who's out there. We also think it's good for existing vendors, a lot of our customers to see who their customers, or who their potential competitors are. Uh, yeah. I heard from... Oh, I'm sorry. Go on.
1: Oh, no, I was just agreeing. You know, I think that is uh, very, very useful from a competitive and business intelligence perspective. Um, you know, you guys have done a great job, so.
0: Yeah, I think for, for some uh, people that I spoke to after the report came out, they were surprised that there were so many companies out there. Some of them they'd never heard of. So I, I thought that was good in terms of just sort of a, a business intelligence side. Um, third, quite obviously, are investors. Yep. If you're trying to figure out how crowded a marketplace is, and you see that, geez, cannabis media says that the uh, the back office sector has you know 65 or 95 providers. What does that mean for for my investment? Is it too mm-hmm. crowded, et cetera? Um, and then finally, there's people who hold these licenses. They need to make choices as to which vendors and which software tools they're going to use. And this helps them see at least you know one lens of how widely established these companies are. Do you wanna sign up with a one state wonder who maybe knows your state really well or do you wanna sign up with somebody who perhaps has software installed across many states and has probably had to deal with a lot of different regulatory schemes, so it, it puts the power in the reader to, to to figure this out and hopefully use it in a way that's uh, enlightening for them.
1: I wanted to know, learn a little bit more about some of the other states. You know, we see the mature markets like Colorado, Washington, and Oregon. You know, have uh, some tech groups uh, based within their, headquartered within their state. Um, you know, I was just wondering, do you have any new predictions for you know up and coming markets or
0: future tech leaders? Um, no, I don't. I think that the ones that we see are probably where they're going to be based out of. Uh, if you look at the report, California has a lion's share of vendors. Uh, 34% or 114 are based out of California. Another 45 in Colorado, 28 in Oregon. Already that puts you up to 56% or more than half the vendors are in three states. Wow. And almost 80% are in eight states. So- Ooh. I think we may see some vendors popping up here and there as new states come on board, but I think there's a lot of reasons that tech companies and software companies are based in California, because that's where most of them are located for all the other industries that have, uh, that, that have software um, you know, underpinning their, their markets.
1: Now, do you think that based on where they're headquartered and where they're doing business, uh, do you think that that will uh, impact, you know, kind of their expansion into other states or their ability to expand into other states like those that are based in California?
0: That's a good question. I, I think that it depends on what they're trying to do. Like I was just looking at the transactional financial companies recently for one of our clients and noticed that they did not go into a lot of states. Mm, you know, they did okay. not try and get into 10, 12 or 14 states because I think in order to be successful on the financial side, you need to get a lot of transactions. And to do that, you probably need to pick a state, make a lot of connections and yeah. go deep. And so I think it's going to vary. Whereas in other places like point of sale, and, you know, we've interviewed some point of sale executives on the pod in the past, you know, for them, it's simply, and I I mean that with air quotes, simply (laughs) adding uh, another set of business rules for that state into their software. And chances are, it's going to be analogous to other states. So maybe it's easy, easier for them to cross state lines.
1: Yeah, that's a really, really good point there. Um, now, bringing it back to the PAC leaders here, you know, in some of the report, you'll see that there are one state wonders, if you will, uh, you know, kind of local favorites uh, in terms of uh, the tech groups that are, you know, coming out of mich- markets like Michigan or Maryland. Uh, do you think that this local favorites, if you will, uh, is going to be a trend, you know, kind of moving forward or uh, are, do you think they're going to try and reinvent the cannabis tech wheel?
0: Uh, that's a interesting interesting point. Uh, in a lot of these states, as, as you said, I, I noticed these quote unquote one state wonders where they're only in one state. And um, quite honestly, I don't know how they survive. I mean, in places like Michigan, you've got a lot of licenses coming on board. That's a good thing. So, okay, lots of licenses coming on, but these more established vendors, you know, the ones that we all know, like Brightmap and FlowHub, BioTrack, Biotrack, uh, Akerna you know, they've got sales forces, they've got a lot of experience, they've got a lot of transactions, they've already run through their systems. So if you're trying to be a compliant license holder, and you realize that your license is an asset, and you don't want to get in trouble for metric violations, do you go with somebody who's just started doing this six months ago yeah or maybe really somebody point. who did it six years ago and mm-hmm. has a long track record of success you know part of it may come down to price maybe the the local person is cheaper and and they're nearby so they can come and do on-site trainings but yeah, over time I don't know if that's going to be a winning strategy you know we'll, we'll see we'll see
1: Yeah, I'm curious to kind of see uh, what that looks like in the in the next coming months, especially, you know, come November with some of these states voting on uh, adding medical and adult use programs, um, what that actually does to the tech sector here. Um, now that we we've dived into you know some of the as I mentioned earlier you know some of the general generalities of this report, but you know I wanted to break it down with you Ed as to what does each sector mean. Uh, you know we've listed four of them uh, within the report itself, but um, one being the back office. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about who is in the back office and why?
0: Yeah. So as I was struggling to understand how all these 320 vendors fit together. Or didn't um it became clear to me as i looked at what these software companies were trying to do that some had a really broad mandate they were trying to do a lot of things so by that i mean their systems were seed to sale like really encompassing or they were an erp which is almost even broader some of them did a lot of supply chain logistics and and by that in my mind it meant they were touching many points in the value chain. So the back office you know, had a lot of um, vendors that fit in there because it's a robust area and it, it calls for complex solutions. And it turned out, a little bit to my surprise, to be the largest part of the um the market, I, I think, you know, as we said, we found about ninety-five vendors that, in my opinion, fit into this back office spot. Yeah.
1: And were there was there any crossover in other sectors from the back office? I would assume so.
0: Yeah, it's it's a great point. So uh, part of the, the the beauty and pain of building a report like this <laughs> is sometimes you've got to make choices and you know stick companies. Into boxes. So in this case, I did not let anybody exist in two places. So some of the companies that I mentioned before, well-known names like you know BioTrack and Akerna, they they have a point of sale solution that everybody knows. But I made the decision that they're really a back office provider that happens to have a point of sale solution. So there are those kind of things where occasionally those companies, you know, may have um, offerings in the activity sector where mm-hmm. um, you know, we get down into the specific license types.
1: Okay. Yeah. I mean, it seems like the uh, back office is those organizations that have a multi pronged approach to uh, providing technological solutions to these license holders. Um, and that's kind of where their strong point is, as being uh, Jack or Jill of all trades. Um, and so I think it's a, it was smart of you guys to uh, limit that to just one sector uh, because we do cover, you know, three more. So another sector that we cover is transactional. Um, you know, can you tell us a little bit more about what did you mean by transactional and, and what? Who compi-
0: who com- comprises this uh, of this data? Yep. When you look at a lot of markets and do a market analysis, the transaction is always an interesting place to be because that's where money changes hands. A lot of people are trying to own that space because that's where money moves, etc. And obviously, in our highly regulated cannabis space, it's it's a complex area too. So we put in several categories of vendors there that are centered around transactions. So they include a couple financial institutions, which mm-hmm. we think is kind of interesting. I think there were two and they each connected only to the one state that they were uh, located in, which made sense. Ah. Payment processors, um, also financial compliance companies, mm-hmm. and finally marketplaces, people who are trying to, as they say, bring buyers and sellers together. Maybe mm-hmm. they had you know, one group on one side and you know, wholesalers and others, and they were trying to make that transaction happen. So you yeah. know, all these companies in the sector are really involved with essentially the movement of money through the value chain.
1: Okay. And so do you think the number of group financial groups depends on the state's take on cannabis ever in the number of, you know, private banking institutions that are available or.
0: Um, yeah. I mean, it- It's tough because we know that the the whole financial side of cannabis is murky um, and all the challenges that the license holders have in terms of management of cash and banking and taxes and all that make it a pretty um, challenging space to be in. So the one thing that I did find as I was going through this was um, the fact that a lot of these companies uh, don't jump into a lot of states, as I said earlier, they really Mm -hmm. do seem to have to perhaps need to focus on a market and do a great job there. And jumping market to market, I think is way harder than it might be for, let's say a point of sale vendor or some of the other activity um, type, type vendors. So
1: is that why you think that there aren't any vendors listed, for example, Maryland, Maine, Missouri, and Louisiana?
0: Yeah, exactly. Because those are markets that right now are smaller. And I I think if you're going to try and make a go of it, you're going to want to go to a place where you can get hopefully a lot of transactions coming through your system if that's (laughs) your model and um and some of these other ones where it's a pretty small market like i'm based in connecticut and there's only 18 dispensaries here so Mm -hmm. you know uh, i i think that's part of how it uh how it may play out
1: not like us here in colorado we've got quite a few um so Another section, a sector, excuse me, that we covered was activity. And activity is actually one of the terms that we use to describe the license holders within our platform. So I'm curious, you know, how did you guys break down activity as it relates to the tech sector?
0: Well, just as you said, we, we follow the cannabis media model and essentially looked at, you know, what activities do we track and, and, and which ones did we find software vendors that would meet that? Um, So, and looking across, all those that were in there, there were were a lot more laboratory information management systems than I would have thought. That's not uh, a category that I had seen a lot of, you know, uh, at trade shows and whatnot, but Mm -hmm. there were definitely a number of vendors there. Point of sale. You know, we know that really well. We've been tracking that. Um, Delivery was kind of interesting. There was software that helps with delivery. And then finally, there was also some consumer facing software. So, you know, and one point I think I should make here is that there may be vendors that are in these spaces, LIMS, POS, and all the others that simply don't connect to metric for whatever reason, they may get their data through the license holder independent of, of metric. So, you know, there is that factor to, to consider as we look at, you know, who is on the leaderboard and really, you know, who's on our market map too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I was also surprised at how many um, LIMS or Laboratory uh, Information Management Systems there were listed within the report here. Um, And my question was, you know, when do you think we're going to see the same type of market consolidation like we've seen with some of these ERP point of sales groups? Um, You know, within the report, it seems like Confident Cannabis, shout out, uh, is on that path towards, you know, kind of market domination.
0: Well, yeah, that's always a, an interesting analysis to do. A, a, a lot of the ways that I always look at a business when I first start to understand it is you run it through this simple test or this simple set of questions. Is it a feature? Is mm-hmm. it a product? Mm-hmm. Or is it a business? Ah. And and you know, trying to understand that scale. And one of the conclusions I made in the report is, might we see some of these back office systems, well-established, robust, adding through tuck-in acquisitions, mm, different point. activities... To their suite of offerings, so that they can be a more complete solution, and you know, perhaps those are the companies that are going to build really strong relationships with um, the multi-state operators, who we yeah. know have complex compliance um, challenges and probably want to not have 18 different vendors. So, you know, that could be a way that at least part of the market goes. And maybe that still leaves room for the, the, the one state wonders uh, mm-hmm. in some of those other states where somebody's just running a store, has one license, and doesn't need all the bells, whistles, and gongs that they might get from a really complex solution.
1: Yeah, I think that's where you're going to start to see, you know, some of these point of sales groups, you know, starting to grab up some of that that market share, especially, you know, in these up and coming markets like New Jersey, for example, you know, it is going to be uh, smaller in terms of the licensing uh, that's available, but that could be a Good case for a one state wonder uh, tech solution. Um, I also think, too, you know, the delivery was an interesting point because, you know, this is something that we're seeing happening uh, across uh, the licensing uh, in terms of uh, new programs being added. I know delivery has been something we've debated here in Colorado, my home state. Um, but, you know, I think that, uh, or I wanted to ask you, you know, what impact do you think uh, the regulatory bodies will have on the delivery tech groups? Uh, and from there, you know, do you think that's that will be uh, included in that potential acquisition for these larger ERP solutions.
0: I think the tech and the regulation side is a very interesting piece. And that's one of the reasons why I said, "Hey, regulators may benefit from this," because we've seen s- some battles and issues with uh, different regulators, like weed maps in California arguing over, you know, what they should carry on their. Um, on their product in terms of black market, and you know that resolved for really the the regulator, and they came to a, a good conclusion there, and you know also with things like delivery, where delivery can happen. So I, I think the regulator is always going to be a factor because they are trying to essentially protect their consumers, and they want to make sure that whatever does happen uh, is. Uh, is appropriate. I mean another famous case we saw where a, uh, a sort of a, I think it was a whole chain of dispensaries out in Colorado got shut down and sold because they were not using the point of sale software in the manner in which it was intended and let people come in and buy stuff hour after hour after hour and sort of filling up their car with cannabis. So I I think the regulator is never going to be too far away from uh, these technology vendors.
1: Yeah, I think that's a that's a good point um, here now. I did kind of want to get into uh, a category that we just started tracking um, you know, within this tech group, but that's the consumer technology that's available right now um, because this really isn't something that we've seen or tracked before. But um, from my interpretation of reading the report, it seemed like these platforms are kind of trying to solve that, that bud tender education gap. And when you look at the landscape of the cannabis industry, you know, you're know, you seeing uh, consumer packaged goods indus- or businesses like Nielsen or Analytics Group you know like Nielsen come in here uh and I'm wondering you know why did you guys start tracking this information and do you think this particular tech sector will continue to grow
0: so the consumer space is definitely different for us because if you look at our database we don't have a consumer activity I mean those are customers and and they do their own activities but for us I think In looking here, we just focused in on really like the handful of of software vendors that chose, for whatever reason, to connect to metric or leaf data systems in Washington. So a, a lot of them really seem to be guiding customers, and I wonder if they're trying to get information on product from the state um or 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 really you know why they're trying to dig into that because none of them were in a ton of states most were in just a couple and um yeah i I think actually the the most that one was in was in two Mm. (laughs) everybody else was in one and there were not a lot of licenses it's not like there were thousands and thousands of let's say dispensaries that were going to benefit from this in some cases you know one company was only in maryland and they could connect with 104 dispensaries. Hmm, yeah. It's kind of hard to build a business on that. Like, you know, 10% market share is 10. So, so I think this is gonna be an interesting space and, and maybe a lot of these uh, brands that we know simply don't connect to metric to try and get that data. But yeah. it is interesting to see that, that the handful or so that, that, that did and you know, how that's helping them perhaps achieve their goals or get access to data and information that uh, is hopefully insightful.
1: Well, in that same, on that same thought, you know, we we're talking about, you know, kind of getting data that, that's insightful, you know, the advisory sector within this report, um, you know, was really uh, informational because it provided you with, you know, consulting groups, you know, from a, a, an analytics and insights perspective to, you know, actually uh, consultants that work with the license holders. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about the makeup of this sector and, and kind of the, the methodology behind it?
0: Uh, absolutely. So advisory is pretty interesting because it really has, in my mind, two distinct groups. So there are, you know, essentially these market data companies that are known well to many of us, BDSA, formerly known as BDS analytics, headset, cannabis, big data, and others. So th- these are ones that, uh, um, in some cases do connect through, through metric. Um, And then on the flip side, there's all these other vendors that really, for the most part, seem to be technology shops that can help people connect Mm -hmm. to metric or build cannabis or hemp specific type programs. So, you know, it's a, it's a definitely a different group in, in terms of how they interact with the market. But, you know, we included them on the market map because They can provide real insights to their customers in terms of helping them understand the inputs and outputs from the back office from the transactional and from the activity software so it's really a a nice way to to tie it together because there's a lot of data that those systems can generate And a lot of operators may not have the time or the ability to to dig through it, but here you've got some experts and pros who may be able to help you understand it in a way that you couldn't on your own.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that's a that's a a great point. Um, You know, and when you are looking at the full cannabis software stack, um, you know it's a great way to kind of wrap wrap everything up here. Um, Now, uh, given that half of these uh, advisory groups exist within California, um, do you think that over time we'll see these advisory groups shift to more markets like illinois and being headquartered out of there because um, when you look at the program i mean it is fairly robust and you know kind of a little bit more well thought out i'm a little biased because i'm from chicago but um you know do you think that that's going to happen
0: Well, if you think about it, the inputs that somebody would need as a consultant is simply the data and being in the state probably doesn't matter all that much. So I'm not sure if it's necessarily going to create a movement uh, uh, of any of these businesses to suddenly be there, because it's really one of those kind of intellectual property businesses and knowledge worker businesses. And you might not necessarily need to be there to be effective, because the data in Illinois at the end of the day coming through a system is probably not all that different than what you'll see in Oklahoma Oklahoma. Connecticut, or even California
1: understood understood well i really have enjoyed speaking with you ed uh and diving a little bit deeper into our uh software stack here um it's really given me you know some great perspectives i know our current subscribers who got access to this are uh, incredibly happy and satisfied here um really appreciate you uh diving in deep with me and uh i look forward to our next can curio recording which should hopefully be uh within the next few weeks here
0: Well, thanks, Amanda. This was a lot of fun. It was good to dig in and get a chance to review it. And uh, uh, great questions. I I learned a lot today as well.
1: (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, everyone, thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. We're your hosts, Amanda Guerrero and Ed Keating. Stay tuned for more updates from the date
0: falls. Thanks for listening to the Canacurio podcast by Cannabis Media. Stay up to date with the latest episodes of the podcast and get alerts on the latest licensing activity in the United States and Canada, as well as exclusive industry insights by signing up for the Cannabis Media Licensing Newsletter at cannabis.media slash newsletter.